You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Good. It's uh, National Traquan Fagan's Day. And that's where we will certainly start. But first of all, I want to thank everybody for making us the first podcast you listen to when it comes to Bama or when it comes to anything. And really the first thing you do when you wake up, we know that you put us on in earbuds or on speaker or on Alexa, whatever. And we appreciate you, the listener. But Jimmy, Alabama did get a huge commitment. Um, just a few moments ago, as we were recording this on Monday, Traquan Fagans, who just decommitted from Miami about seven days ago, uh, defensive back from Thompson High School, Alabama light, as I like to call it. And um, Thompson, by the way, defeated Oak Mountain 48 to nothing this past weekend. And Oak Mountain's a really good team. They got a dude committed to Northwestern who is something special. And uh, they completely shut everything down. Thompson's ridiculous this year. Of course, Alabama also has Jeremiah Alexander committed. They uh, now have Traquan Fagans committed, and Peter Woods and Tony Mitchell are two bona fide dudes for next year. So, yeah, it's good to keep that Thompson pipeline alive and a big pickup for the Crimson Tide. Sure is. Uh, let's just put aside the fact that Fagans is a good prospect, and he is. He's really good. I like him a lot. Uh, even putting that aside, the fact that Thompson has these other kids that Alabama's going to want. And Fagans gives us, you know, one more reason for those guys to choose Alabama because he's their pal. And uh, he can give them the lowdown on what it's like to play at Alabama. So that's a big deal. Fagans also has younger brothers <laughs> that are supposed to be future badasses. I mean, sometimes you, you never know. It's, you know, one of those sayings in recruiting all the time is, oh, you should see the younger brother. And, you know, half the time it, it doesn't really – play out that way where the younger one's, you know, better than the older one, but sometimes it does. And, uh, but anyway, Fagans has at least one little brother that, that's projected to be, you know, a, a really big time player down the road. And, and he, he's likely to be at Thompson as well. So just putting aside the fact that Fagans himself is a really good prospect. Uh, this is a, a big day and a big pickup for Alabama. Uh, in terms of what Fagans is as a player, my number one reason for liking him beyond just, just what kind of athlete and playmaker he is, is he's a big corner. And what that means is big corners can play all sorts of positions. Big corners can play cornerback, obviously. They can play safety. They can play star. They can potentially play money. A big corner is probably a guy capable of playing wide receiver on offense. So, you know, you bring in Fagans and, and you put him where he wants to play and you see how that works out. If it doesn't work out there, you can move him, you know, until you find the best spot for him. Um, I, I think that so I, I would just say there's not really a, a floor here. There's nothing but ceiling. And uh, for, for a big corner, this is a, a good athlete. Uh, you know, I'm not going to compare him to Kool-Aid, uh, who I think is one of the best cornerback prospects I've ever seen from the state of Alabama. Uh, but but he's in kind of that next tier, you know, of like high quality corner. I love that he's from Thompson. I love that he's his roots are in Alabama. I would be equally excited about Fagans if he was from the Carolinas or or, or Nebraska. I mean, this this is a, a 
even if he didn't have a brother and, and, the, and those other kids at Thompson, he is a take. Um, so I'm excited about this. Alabama, you know, in, in terms of what happened with Miami, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm reading tea leaves here. I'm, I'm two and two. This isn't from the staff or inside the Mount Moore building. To me, it's just sort of obvious from the outside that before Alabama pulled the trigger, they wanted to see some senior tape, and they weren't ready to make a decision on Fagans when Fagans was ready to make a decision this summer, and, and that happened sometimes. And then Alabama did make a decision after watching senior tape, and, uh, and Fagans wanted to go to Alabama bad enough to decommit from Miami and, and, and go, with, go with Alabama. So it, it worked out fine, uh, except for Miami. But, but they're big boys. I'm sure they'll figure it out. There's always cornerbacks in South Florida. Yeah, I'm not crying Miami a river or anything. I mean, but their their whole program seems to be falling apart rather quickly. I mean, they had an incredible recruiting class going. Uh, they've had a few decommitments. And um, now they're starting running backs out for the year. Uh, they've had some other injuries. They're starting quarterback, Derek King's out for the year. Um, and they're still coached by Manny Diaz. So <laughs> they got a lot of problems over there in Miami. Jimmy, let me tell everybody about prize picks. Prize Picks, go to prizepicks.com or their award-winning app. You can find it anywhere you go get your apps. Uh, it's a leader in the college sports daily fantasy game. Prize Picks offers more college football props than anyone in the world and offers all the star players of the Power Five as well as mid-majors you might not have even heard of. Prize Picks offers you any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. All of our users and listeners that deposit and use our promo code Locked On will receive a 100% deposit match up to $100. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON when you go to prizepicks.com or use their award-winning app. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals as well. That's prizepicks.com or use their award-winning app. Also want to tell you about Rock Auto. They're actually presenting today's podcast. All the parts your car will ever need, Rock Auto. Look, Rock Auto is the best. I'm in, actually in Chicago in a hotel room doing this podcast right now, and there's literally like a mechanic store, station, box store thing on every corner. And prize, I mean, excuse me, and Rock Auto will beat them all. Beat them all like a drum. And I'm telling you, they got the best parts, the best prices, and the best service the easiest website to navigate you could ever ask for. Super simple, not a bunch of flashing lights um, and other ads or anything like that. It's just simple stuff like what kind of car do you have? What year is it? And what do you need? And here's the price. And it's cheaper than anywhere else you can get it. RockAuto.com. In the How'd You Hear About Us box, be sure to put Locked On Bama. We would appreciate that. All the parts your car will ever need, RockAuto. That's RockAuto.com. The best place to go to get all your auto parts. Again, thank everybody for making Locked on Bama the first place you come for any podcast about anything ever, anything ever. We know that that's what you do, and we appreciate you guys a ton. We appreciate all the interaction we've had on Twitter lately. You guys are the absolute best. Um, Jimmy, Will Anderson, a couple of news and notes. Will Anderson, SEC Defensive Player of the Week. A shocker. I mean, all he did was have four sacks. I mean, he's got more sacks than a – veterinarian who specializes in neutering 
<laughs> I know they leave the sack when you neuter, but I think that's funny. That's stuff. a gross. Uh, that's a gross visual if you're thinking that they have collections after that set that they keep. That would be funny but, though if they just had a room where they just. What do you do with those things when you're doing? Juggling a lot of balls. Uh, Maybe I, think, oh, I know uh, what you do with them. I know what you do with them. You give them to Tennessee fans so they can throw them on the field. <laughs> Don't get me started again. But uh, no, uh, I, Will Anderson is. Hey, I mean, I, I, I've been dancing around it, but but after that performance, let's just say it. I mean, he, he's the best defensive player at Alabama in the Saban era, which is like saying you're the best Boston Celtic or you're the best hockey player that's ever played for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, you know, he, he, he's the best defensive player of the Saban era, and I would go so far as to say he's the best defensive player at Alabama since Derek Thomas, who who is one of the great defensive players in the history of the sport of football. Uh, Will is that good? He's not about potential anymore. You know, last year I think was a lot about Will was an amazing freshman full of crazy potential. And now that potential has produced. He's now a productive All-American. So no more potential. This is it. This is the show. Is he going to get better? Of course he's going to get better. But he's a show. And uh, what makes it so great for me personally, Luke, is I I don't mean to get sappy, but but it's just so much more fun when they're great kids. I mean, sometimes you have a great player in the NFL. We could all name our own little list. Maybe there's a great player in the NFL, but he's not somebody you want babysitting your kids, you know. but, but, But Will is. He's a super guy. He's a leader. He's smart. Uh, he's just easy to root for, and that makes it so much more fun when you have a superstar, and Will is a superstar. When you have a superstar that's a great kid, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm with you on him. He's just a – he's a great dude. Um, Love him a ton. I'm with you. I'm ready to call him the best defensive player of the Saban era, which is – I mean, that's (laughs) – that's literally being the hottest girl at the Playboy Mansion. That's what that is, and and that's super cool. Um, but uh, yeah, he's he's something special, man. Then you know, jumping around here a second, just about some news and notes. Uh, Nick Saban was asked about a Jai Hall, and here's his quote, uh, courtesy of Charlie Potter. Saban said, "It's up to the players to impress the coaches that they can be trusted to go into the game and do what they're supposed to do." What do you glean from that, Jimmy, about a Jai Hall? Well, we've talked about it here. We've talked about it here. And those of you that read my posts on the On3 message board, subscribe today, $10 for the whole year. Uh, and I've talked about it honestly there. Uh, look, it's not so much inside scoop. You guys can put two and two together. Y'all saw him play in the spring, and he hasn't played in the fall. What the hell do y'all think the problem is? The problem is behavior and conduct. I mean, that's the problem. Read Nick's quote there. I'm, I'm not surprised at all, if anything. I'm a little surprised it wasn't even a little more harsh, you know. And, and look, I'm not picking on the kid saying he's some sort of, you know, Satan worshiper or he's very likely, you know, to, to, to rob a liquor store and go to jail. I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Saban bots. We've talked about him here on our podcast forever, Luke. Saban bots, guys that are driven to, 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 to do not only the big things, but they're process-oriented. The goal is to get better every day. And if, if that's the goal, to become a better player every single day, 
then playing time and awards and NFL draft and all that stuff takes care of itself. I think a Jai, like most human beings, by the way, he's results-driven right now. He's still results-driven. He's like, why am I not playing? Why am I not SEC Freshman of the Week? I should be playing. I should be a first-team guy. And that's the focus instead of improving, earning the coach's trust, doing the right thing every day, even if it seems unrelated to football, picking up after yourself, going to class, doing well in school, being a good teammate, all of the things that are expected of you. And when the coaches can't trust you to do that, why do you think they're going to put their livelihoods on the line? No one thinks about that. They think of all these coaches as these mega gazillionaires that, 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 that their whole lives are just like on some kind of autopilot. And, uh, you know, when, when coaches put these kids in the game, their careers depend on that. Do you ever think of that? That, that if you're uh, Sal Sinceri, your career, your, your tenure at Alabama now depends on the play of the kids you've put on the field because they represent you. These are the kids I've coached. And if they don't play well, who's that going to fall on? Sal. And, and he'll get fired. I mean, these coaches' livelihoods depend on the kids they put on the field. So when they can't depend on someone like an Ajay Hall, he doesn't play. And that's the only question. Yeah, that, that is a really good point. Um, and maybe this is unrelated, but while you were talking about that, um, I was, th- you know, you were talking about players doing the little things and um, their off the field actions and, and social media actions and uh, caught on camera in a cameo situation actions can affect their playing time or affect their careers. All I could think about was Ed Orgeron telling uh, a UCLA fan, you've got a sissy blue shirt on and I'll whip your ass. Um, hitting apparently, allegedly hitting on a pregnant wife of uh, higher up in the LSU uh, school system, <laughs> uh, sending out social media pictures, laying down with a some much younger blonde, practically at, right after his divorce. Um, all I, and now, even though he's done all these things, which are pretty shitty and not reflective of of something a good human a good coach much less a good human being would do um he's getting 17 million to to walk away and so it's kind of hard uh for some of these players to probably look over there and go you know if if i screw up with something on social media i i get sent packing ed orgeron has been really on top of being a less than average coach he's been a pretty bad human being of late and he's getting 17 million. And then he has the audacity to say something in his press conference. Yeah, I'll be able to afford a hamburger or something. What a He doesn't what a have a good job. I mean, that statement just, in, in of itself is reflective of his judgment. Ed doesn't have exactly. good judgment. I think it's amazing that he's been able to accomplish what he's accomplished in his football career, his coaching career. He's been able to accomplish so much almost in spite of himself you know, is the way I would put that. But, uh, yeah, that was a dumb thing to say, just like so many things, Ed. I don't think Ed getting fired straight up on the one-loss record. As a matter of fact, this sounds so ludicrous. I'm going to double-check it, but I'm pretty sure it's true. Ed Orgeron's one-loss record at LSU as as the head coach uh, is basically identical to Nick Saban's. 
when he was at LSU. No, it is. And You're that, right. Yeah, You're right. Yeah, and that – so if LSU is firing him on, on the basis of that one loss record, I hope what happens to them is what happened to Nebraska when they made the mistake over 30 years ago of firing someone that had a really, really good one loss record, but it wasn't good enough for them. So, so they, they fired him and they've been uh, uh, ostracized to mediocrity and worse ever since. And I hope that's what happens to LSU if it's really totally about wins and losses, but I don't think it is. I think it's about the direction of the program and the fact that Ed was making so many bad decisions. His players didn't want to play there anymore. I think it comes down to that. Basically, the players didn't want to play for Ed. The coaches didn't want to coach for Ed. And LSU no longer wanted Ed as the face of their program. Uh, and, and it wasn't 100% on the wins and losses, though their on-the-field results during the COVID year and this year uh, haven't been you know, what they expect there. And we won't get into this thing about it because uh, we're going to have, have one more segment. But um, one thing that also there is to remember is during the whole George Floyd situation, uh, Ed Orgeron apparently went on Fox News and, and basically voiced a lot of support for Donald Trump, et cetera. And look, I, I don't, that's fine with me. I think anybody can vote for who they want to. That's fine. That is fine. But know your audience because Ed Orgeron's audience is not the Fox News audience, it's the high school recruits. And if you think most of the people he was recruiting were Donald Trump fans, whether that's right or wrong, you're out of your mind. And so, yes, Ed Orgeron can vote for whoever he wants to. I'm all for it. Yep. Ed Orgeron, he can say whatever he wants to. It's a free country. If he yep. wants to get on there and say, I'm a Donald Trump, damn it, supporter and fly a Trump 2024 flag, do what you want to. The problem is he's got to recruit players that don't feel that way. So it, it's just one of those things that um, sometimes it's better to keep quiet than open your mouth and and screw up a good thing That's i know exactly what i'm talking about That's exactly what i'm talking about he makes really dumb decisions i'm not talking about the decision to support donald trump that's fine i agree with everything you just said he has he has not only a right as far as i'm concerned but you know it's it's great that he's involved and it's great that he cares and it's great that that, that he's a republican and that he supports donald trump and all that. fine fine but it's not tone deaf politically it's tone deaf to his job yeah it's tone deaf to his job because, you know like you said, you the vast majority of his players that he recruits, not only are they for the other team, they feel strongly about it. And, hey, keep, keep your vote to yourself. Go vote for Trump. I'm not telling you to vote for somebody different. <laughs> Go vote. It's just, it's just tone deaf. And uh, there's a reason that you have. Has anyone seen Nick Saban on Fox News? No. And when people say, oh, well, he wouldn't be on Fox News, he'd be on the other channel. Well, has anyone seen Nick Saban on that channel? No, no. He keeps his mouth shut about it and is supportive of his players. And that's what we mean about dumb decisions. And Ed made a ton of them, and, uh, and that, that, that was one of them. Jimmy, you know, it reminded me of the – Seinfeld when oh my god who who Breaking Bad who was the actor in Breaking Bad I love him I can't believe I'm, uh, I'm, uh Brian uh Brian uh Brian something I can't believe yeah, I can't why can't How I, can I, I love it I would, I would have been able to spit it right out if you didn't say you had trouble remembering but you know okay. he was the dentist on Seinfeld he was the dentist and remember <laughs> when Jerry got pissed 
And it wasn't because the dentist converted to uh, Judaism. It was because he said, it doesn't offend me as a Jewish person. It offends me as a comedian because he kept telling Jewish jokes. And that's what Ed Orgeron doesn't offend me as a football coach. He offends me as a human being. <laughs> but, uh, all right, Jimmy, let me tell everybody about sweat block. Look, for a few weeks now, actually a few months, we've been talking about sweat block. These wipes can stop sweat for seven days. And it seems people have been listening. We have friends on Locked On who've tried sweat block and they love it. Uh, this is from a Hollywood producer, straight out of Hollywood, not kidding. There's a producer who is working on the set of a Marvel movie. Marvel movie, I should say. Maybe you've heard of Marvel. They got pretty good movies. She was working 18-hour days in the Atlanta heat. She heard about Sweat Block, started trying it, and loves it. No more sweaty production days. She even reports that one of the A-list actors uses it. Maybe the green one, you know, maybe or maybe the one who was in the iron suit. I'm not going to say. He did that just to stay dry on set and on the red carpet. There's also a story of a soccer player, another success story here. He's an avid soccer player. He heard about us talking about sweat block and thought it was too good to be true, but he was always the wettest guy after practicing games. That's not good. He was like soaking wet. So he thought he'd give sweat block a shot. He tried it on his pits, his armpits, and the next practice, his armpits were dry while everything else was wet. Guess he should try it on other parts too. I mean, that's, that's my advice. He says he didn't have to reapply for nine days. Now he's a true believer. Stop excessive sweat for up to seven days per use. It's doctor created, doctor recommended, dry shirt guarantee. If sweat block doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. Not just for armpits, it's for chest, your back, your feet, your hands. Use it anywhere, and I mean anywhere, that sweats as sweat block. Go to sweatblock.com, use promo code locked on, or you can go to Amazon and CVS if you want to, but you don't get that discount of 20% like you do when you go to sweatblock.com and use promo code locked on. Try sweat block today if you've got a sweat issue, and I know you do. I've seen you. So go check it out, Sweatblock. Jimmy, um, okay. Brian Cranston, by the way. Brian Cranston. Jeez. Thank you. I would have been pissed. Would have been pissed. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, obviously been listening all day. Don't really want to get into the Tennessee thing anymore. Hoping to have a crossover episode with our friends over at Locked on Vols sometime this week and just to get their thoughts on this whole thing. Um, but Tennessee is getting killed nationally. No one knows if their quarterback hooker will be able to play this weekend against Alabama. And if they do, it'll be Joe Milton. If he doesn't, that'll be Joe Milton who um, ran out of bounds at the eight yard line when he had to have a touchdown with no time left, which is inexplicable. Um, and uh, that's that was an Ed Orgeron level bad decision. <laughs> I mean, the, Boy, if you, that's when you should have thrown stuff on the field. Don't throw it about the referee. I would have thrown my season tickets on the field if I had seen that. Um, um, so, anyway, any other thoughts from the SEC? I mean, uh, Ole Miss looked really good in that game. By the way, Matt Corral is a dude. Here's the problem. Lane Kiffin, and maybe this is some gamesmanship, but Lane Kiffin says uh, Matt Corral may not be able to play this weekend when they host LSU. And that makes me think, God, will Matt Corral be ready to play when they go to Auburn in a couple of weeks? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you can't really trust uh, what Lane says. Uh, I'm going to assume until I see otherwise that Corral's going to trot out there and play. I don't think they have another kid that they can win with in terms of uh, beating an LSU, beating an Auburn. Uh, John Rice Plumley is uh, very one-dimensional as a runner. 
And Luke Altmaier is going to be, I think, uh, really good down the road. But he's a true freshman, and uh, I think fans of football just expect way too much of true freshmen. And, and once a true freshman is thrust into duty, you'll see why more of them don't play. <laughs> and I think that's probably what would happen to Luke, who'd just be dumped into the deep end with no floaties. So uh, uh, Ole Miss better hope Corral can play. Uh, it's a big stage. Uh, the, the, the lineup of games this weekend is not good. Uh, a lot of people yeah. will watch Ole Miss LSU. It's on CBS. A lot of people will watch that game. Um, because it's one of the only only games in town, you know, only the only show, big show out there. So Corral needs to play for his Heisman hopes. And for as impressive as LSU was in their shocking win over Florida, I was shocked. Um, they also gave up almost 50 points to a real questionable offense. So a Matt Corral-led offense could really score. And uh, hey, let me tell you, I'm not I'm not doing a 180. On, uh, on Lane Kiffin, I'm not just yet um, for all sorts of reasons. But, but I, I am the first to admit, I, I am really impressed by what his program has, has done in a short period of time. And, uh, and they're doing this with, with largely three stars, which tells me that, uh, that their plan and their coaching and, and their kids playing at a really high level on Saturday has been really impressive. Now, a lot of that is corral who he inherited, inherited Matt Corral, uh, not to say he won't recruit a good one. But uh, I, at this point, you've just got to be really impressed by what Lane has done on the field, uh, coaching his football team of three stars to where it's reasonable to say, hey, this is the third best team in the SEC behind Georgia and Alabama. Yeah, I, and I think that's pretty clear to me. I mean, that's who I would have. I mean, you could make the argument for Kentucky, I'm sure, but if those two were to play, I feel quite certain Ole Miss would be uh, the favorite. That'd be a great and finally, matchup. Jimmy, that'd be a, that'd be that'd a be fun, fun game. And finally, should be noted very quickly that um, uh, Alabama basketball starts out the season number 14 in the AP poll. Uh, congratulations to them. We hope to have some more basketball talk here in the near future. And I said finally, but I'm going to throw one more thing out there. We usually – for we save our – Bama and the NFL talk for Wednesday, and that we will do that tomorrow because there was a ton of Alabama and the NFL to talk about this past weekend. But, man, I, I, I got to talk about watching that Cowboys-New England game yesterday where Trayvon Diggs has a pick six off Mac Jones to take the lead. Then the very next play, Mac Jones burns Trayvon Diggs. Actually, I mean, I think Diggs – um, sort of fell for a double move and thought that he'd have some safety help and the safety misplayed it. But Mac Jones put it right on the money to take the lead again. Now, of course, the Cowboys win in overtime. But, wow, what a moment for both of those guys. Trayvon Diggs has seven picks through the first six games of the year. And the only, only other player in NFL history to do that was um, – oh, God. <laughs> Who was the defensive back from Pittsburgh? Uh, Harrison. Um, um, uh, I think it was uh, uh, Rodney Harrison? No, Rodney Harrison was played for Alabama. No, Rodney Harrison was a uh, New England. Oh, Patriots. Rodney Harrison. Yeah, yeah, Rodney Harrison. That was New England Patriots, right? Uh, yeah, but he, he played for Pittsburgh. Oh, okay, okay. Damn yeah, it, that guy. Him? What the hell is wrong with my memory today? You're um, talking about number anyway, of interceptions. Rod Woodson. Rod Woodson. Rod Woodson. What? A, what's Harrison got to do with any of this? He was a good player for the Patriots. We were just talking about the Patriots. Mm-hmm. 
That's true. No, uh, no. What was funny to me, I'd say funny. Uh, I was super busy with uh, college football stuff in Alabama yesterday. Super busy. Couldn't watch as much as I wanted. I watched a four-minute stretch of the Cowboys Patriots. That's all I could watch. But when I watched, was exactly that moment. I think I turned it on and Diggs picked all that ball in the mat. That's the part of the game I watched. So I couldn't have been more lucky about that. But what Mac Jones is doing, and it almost makes me mad because of all the, the draft talk before the draft when, the, when so many national analysts were killing Mac. They were killing him. I mean, and, and, and hey, that's fair. That's what, what the draft, that's what makes the draft process so fun, you know, because everybody pretends like they know, but nobody knows. And, but how many of those have just acted like that never happened? That, Cowherd is the worst. Cowherd killed Mac more than anyone, and now Max, one of his favorite things to talk about, and I'm sure there's been a mea culpa at some point that I just missed, I'm sure, but every time I hear Cowherd praising Mac, I'm like, you butthole, I remembered everything you said in February and March, you ought to start off every single one of these praising Mac things with, well, first I got to admit I was wrong about him back in March. What's the over-under on number of times Colin Cowherd is called a butthole on a daily basis? Well, I was trying not to say asshole. I was trying not to say asshole. I thought that would that would make people cringe. But you know, butthole, so butthole actually sounds worse now. Asshole has <laughs> butthole is overtaken asshole. As the, as you know, I think you're right. Clear... Asshole, asshole equals jerk. Butthole equals the literal anatomy. You know, so it's like that's, that so butthole true. might be just too literal. And when whereas you, assholes, I just know that means jerk. Yeah, asshole means jerk now. You're absolutely means, right. I can't yep. believe that nobody else has brought this up. That is so true that <laughs> somehow butthole is overtaken asshole is the worst of the two. Anyway. I believe it has. I think I think you're on to something. I'm the first to call coward such a horrible term like butthole. Ironically, I was trying to keep it a little more PG, but now I could be happy. You were trying to keep butthole cleaner. <laughs> um, so anyway, wow. we'll call you Jimmy the Bidet. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy the Bidet. Uh, anyway. That's a new one. That's a new one for me. All right, buddy. All right, buddy. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Tomorrow we will talk about Batman the NFL and some most stuff. So until then, roll tight, everybody. Roll tight.